Hey, <laughs> it's 412 King Street. Let's get it. We back. Weekend podcast. It's you know Matt, it Isaiah, and Alex. <laughs> oh, my bad. I cut you off. Go ahead. I had nothing to say. You oh, got it. and our special guest, Matt Wilkes. First back repeat. Back in the building. First repeat guest. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Back to back. Back Not to really, back. Back in the studio. You should have been repeat when we start recording, because we're going to be recording episodes in the future yeah okay remember like record like video yeah oh yeah yeah, my bad video recording yeah Yeah. what we gonna okay i got you what i'm gonna gonna figure out i'm gonna set it up man get some tripods aesthetic (laughs) i know bro i think you just take that 85 inch tv out of there (laughs) (laughs) you'd have a whole booth out there see what had happened what? <laughs> Don't drop your address. Everyone's gonna be coming for that TV. <laughs> hey, you said you got an ADS TV, bro? King I'm, Street. I'm <laughs> yeah, King, it's King at four one twelve. Four twelve King Street, people, bro. Yeah. Now I think about it, cause me and Dylan when we were driving Whoa. up, this dude started flashing money at us. What? Oh, yeah. Was, I look over. What he looked like? Staring. What was he? What he looked like? Light skin. Oh, he was light skin. I don't know Big who that car. is. Oh. He was staring out his window. I like look over. He's just staring, and then he starts flashing money. In the parking lot? No, we were driving. It was on oh, the highway. Oh, wow. It's even worse. Yeah. yeah. That's way he sketchier. rolled his window down, and then Dylan was looking at him, and he, t- he brought the money out. He was like, like he was flashing, like what? telling us to take it. And then we're like, no, nah, nah, we're okay. I'm good with that. <laughs> Two <laughs> seconds later, you get hit. Yeah. Are you guys getting <laughs> propositioned out here on the highway yeah. or what? He had no front hood. Yeah, it was, he, was in there, he was in there living, boy. Oh. <laughs> he was yeah. doing something. Dillard said sure. he needs to fix his car before he flashes money. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> he was definitely to fix the hood. I think people just want to get robbed, man. You know, just flashing money. And then I feel like they get shocked if they actually get robbed. Like, like what? <laughs> oh, snap. I really got robbed. Yeah. <laughs> what you thought? <laughs> hey, Killer City, Missouri. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> Shacks, it's bad out here. Oh, it's really August. That's crazy. It's about to, August might be September, over. September, yeah. Jeez. Um, so let's get popping. We got uh, this day in Black History. Um, so this day, um, R.I.P. to Dorothy West. He she died in uh, August 16, 1998. She's an American novelist and short story writer during the time of the Harlem Renaissance. So. Check her out. Dorothy West. Dorothy sure. West. No relation to Kanye. Okay. Um, <laughs> that we know of. All right, yeah, that we know of. You want me to go? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know the name is difficult, huh? Yeah. It doesn't have an E. That's how it's spelled. It's, it's George, though, right? I don't think so. You got it, bro. Uh, you know what? Today is Angela Bassett's birthday, right, bro. <laughs> okay, today in 1963, George Olden is the first black person to design a U.S. postage stamp. That's dope. Yeah. You broke. You didn't. George, yeah, that's dope. But, like, Angela Bassett, you kind of just said it was her birthday. Like, you didn't. It's her birthday. Iconic. I know. She's iconic iconic actri- actress. Happy birthday, Angela Bassett. You don't right. pay her enough That's respect. It. That's Damn. only Angela you get. Fabulous, wonderful actor. Fabulous actress. <laughs> Do they still say that? Actress? Or is this all actors? I think they still oh, say I, that. I think they still, yeah. I don't think they say that. I don't think there's any outrage about that. We're going to get canceled. Can we watch? Uh-oh. 
They coming for you. How can I get canceled? The Twitterverse is gonna. I don't know if you guys have the viewership on this podcast. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> you never know, bro. No Pop offense. up on Twitter, and it's like hashtag. 412 King Street podcast is canceled. <laughs> and then people will be like, what's that? Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Matt's over. Yeah. yeah. Matt's over. And then party. I'm just, I'm, I'm confused because like, I don't know if people are talking about me. <laughs> but, you know, I have nothing but high praise for Angela Bassett. So. Here we go. Let's get it. So, we're going to dive right into it. You know what I'm saying? Our special guest, Matt Wilkes, is here to talk about the po- politics. You know what I'm saying? The. The elephant going on in the room. There should be no elephant. There's but no there elephants is. in this room. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Got to talk about the presidential race. You want to talk about that first, or you want to talk about uh, Missouri? Isaiah brought me in to talk about Kamala Harris. Yeah, yeah. Did I? Wait, we no, that's you. you. Yeah, we brought you. Well, yeah. hey, he texted me. Yeah. Well, I don't have your number because mm. you never wait. Did. Fuck with me. But you could have asked. You could have asked. This is when I get upset. Mm. You could have Everybody asked listen to this. That's crazy. <laughs> no, no. I, I guarantee I have your number in my phone right now. I probably. Give me. Get, stay, get on your soapbox real quick. <laughs> yeah, People I mean, you I have, have to... a new phone. Oh, okay. Whoa. <laughs> no, like. Uh, well, I don't BC, know if I have your number. Then I had the thing. I had the broken phone. Dillard knows it was a struggle. No front The Android. Anyways, we're gonna yeah, talk. Anyway, Kamala Harris. <laughs> uh, so, a little. I I did a little bit of research. So, uh, Kamala Harris, born 1964, Oakland, California. Uh, she graduated from Howard University, their undergrad, then went to UC Hastings for JD, and then worked her way up through San Francisco. Started as the DA, district attorney, out there in 2003. Uh, served as the Attorney General from 2010 to 2017, and then was elected as the junior senator from California with 60% of the vote in 2016. Was endorsed by Obama and Joe Biden. So a little bit of history there. Um, a little bit of our highlights from her Senate days. She strongly opposed Betsy DeVos, Jeff Sessions, mm. voted against both Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court. And then also was one of the first to call for the resignation of Al Franken, who was the Democratic senator accused of sexual harassment. He went outside. Uh, He resigned. And then while she was in the Senate, she served on the Budget Committee, the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee, and the Judiciary Committee. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think kind of the big conversation about Kamala Harris right now is everyone's asking kind of why. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of worried that she's like, a token pick because mm. um, Obama's not Obama Biden said early on that he was going to pick a woman mm. um, at the same time he also said that he was going to nominate a black woman for the Supreme Court so he so, said that at the same time mm. uh, that same day I don't think people haven't, <laughs> uh, people haven't talked about that as much yeah so I mean <laughs> some of the speculation is that when he was saying that he was probably thinking Kamala Harris yeah. for Supreme Court um, but then oh. with kind of the, the George Floyd and like the resurgence, I guess not the resurgence, but the return to the limelight kind of of the Black Lives Matter movement, like there's been a lot more pressure on him to pick a black woman. Um, there's also some big stuff about uh, Jim Clyburn. So I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he's the South Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, he's the House of Representatives member. He's also the whip for the House, which means his job is basically to, to count votes mm. um, and kind of like motivate people to vote on certain issues. But he's kind of been the kingmaker 
in South Carolina. And so Biden going into the primaries this year, like gotten an endorsement from him, which kind of the black vote in South Carolina really kind of unifies behind Clyburn. Mm. Um, after that, Clyburn kind of said to NPR, uh, have a quote here. African-American women need to be rewarded for the loyalty that they've given this party. Um, strongly pressured Biden to pick a black woman. So mm-hmm. you kind of have in more recent times, kind of the increased like awareness of black lives matter mm-hmm. combined with him basically not owing Clyburn, but you know, Clyburn did him a favor in South Carolina and his request was that, you know, he consider a black woman. So those things together, mm-hmm. um, it kind of got him down to three. I was doing a little research on kind of the, kind of the top three candidates. Um, you had Elizabeth Warren was getting thrown out a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are kind of pegging her to be more of like treasury secretary or some other cabinet position rather than VP. Mm. Um, just cause she's a little probably too liberal for Biden. And also Trump has already got a lot of like baggage on Elizabeth Warren. He already has nicknames and stuff and for her. Bang, yeah. Bang. So she's a, she's a favorite target. Um, but like the three black women backs. that were coming around was uh, Val Demings, who's a U.S. rep. She was a former Orlando police chief um, and is now in the House of Representatives, um, as well as Keisha Lance Bottoms, who's the mayor of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you kind of look at the three of them, um, Demings, Bottoms, and then Harris. Harris really has like the VP resume. Honest, I mean, you've been in attorney general of some kind for 15 years and then you've been a senator too so that's kind of like more of the traditional mm-hmm. um resume strength um another thing too is that harris is like one of the top five most liberal senators based off her voting record so she's not like bernie sanders elizabeth warren level but she's up there mm-hmm. people like to forget that it seems like mm-hmm. or at least on twitter, yeah on twitter and i think that's part i think the right might have something to do with that because people are posting stuff that's like you gotta check your facts Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's interesting because i think it's gone both ways like i I know i've seen some news reports of like people like trying to say that she's kind of uh uh, a practical moderate which she's not like she's definitely liberal Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i think i think if you're on the right then your attack is is that Oh, she's the she's Joe Biden's handler. I think I saw it was one of the Fox News headlines of like, you know, Joe's not really in charge. It's like the liberal, like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez mm-hmm. and like that wing of the party is the real people in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Kamala Harris isn't part of that group. No. And I mean, when you're when you're a senator, you have to represent a whole state. So it's kind of hard to be like that level of extreme. Mm-hmm. Like Cortez can say certain things because she is in a district that has a certain attitudes. It's a lot smaller. Yeah. You know, Harris is representing a whole state. Mm-hmm. So she is very liberal, which, I mean, part of the reason why she was chosen, too, has to be because Biden needs to win the support of the left. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are kind of, like, unexcited about Joe Biden as a Democratic nominee. They're, they thought that, they're like, okay, we got another old white dude yeah. who's mm-hmm. just... You know, he, he has a history. Like Man, he's really trying to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> like he he's he's trying his hardest to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, he has a a lot of uh ad libs that <laughs> don't necessarily like play well on T V, that's for sure. Um <laughs> but she I think she was kinda chosen as someone that um 
isn't a socialist, but is liberal. So that they can kind of appease the left. She has a solid, she's good on Twitter. She has a lot of good Twitter clapbacks, mm-hmm. um, which I think Biden, obviously you, you want someone to be like, she's a strong debater. Yeah. She's I mean, strong. she's brutal in these debates. Yeah. I mean, people were criticizing why Biden picked her because she came after him really hard. Uh, in some of these debates, especially yeah. about busing, because um, Joe Biden had kind of opposed busing, and so she had her line of like, you know, I was one of those girls who got bussed mm. to the all-white school. Um, so yeah, I mean, she she seems to definitely kind of be like a natural on the stage. Mm. She's got yeah. that kind of, I'm sure it's from the prosecutor background, like that trial, like selling your point. So mm. she's going to do really well in these debates, mm. you know, against Pence. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think she might not be the candidate that like people were expecting, but it kind of seemed like the way that the race was going. And then with Biden saying he wanted a woman, it kind of seemed like a natural fit just given her, her resume and her experience. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think, I think people are kind of the, the lib Twitter is not a huge fan of it, but I don't really know of many things that the lib Twitter is a fan yeah, of outside of like, super bro, it's they, bad. there's been yeah. videos in <laughs> on Twitter of like going around of uh, Harris, like they've edited the video to make her like a villain in terms of like her fight against like crime and truancy uh, and like it made her seem like she was just trying to do this because this is the only way to get people to stop skipping school. And it was just like. People couldn't even tell that it was documented. It took like two seconds of research to look at the full video. Yeah. And it's just like things like that, like Twitter, like messes up people's like perception so quickly. Yeah. There were some knocks, uh, especially about the truancy stuff where she, when she was the district attorney, kind of said that she was going to start prosecuting parents who had chronically truant children. So I think it was like if you'd missed 50 days of school, um, she didn't actually prosecute any of those families so like a lot of them what they would do is if they had missed so many days they would have to work with her office but they would kind of set up like a a divergent plan of kind of like why are you missing school so much like get them in contact with social services and stuff so she wasn't like locking moms up for not sending their kids to school Mm -hmm. but she did have like a pretty aggressive stance on it yeah i mean 50 days a lot that's a that's That's a lot of days a lot like a third of school yeah less than 50 my whole school career not even touch 50 (laughs) probably yeah i mean if you think you're in school for nine months a year 50 days you're only going five days a week that's 10 weeks Mm -hmm. so it's almost two and a half months of just not going to school it's almost a third of the school year Mm -hmm. so she, I mean, they're gonna, she's going to get attacked from that. I think Lib Twitter is mad because she's a cop. Yeah, yeah. Um, or she has a history as a cop. But And, and there's some more stuff from, from her as the Attorney General of California that's, like, a little more uh, controversial of, you know, there was, there was one instance of a man who was on death row and she refused to, like, allow his DNA test to go through. Um, there, there's a lot of history with all these people. Like when you've been around, you know, she's been in office since 2003 mm-hmm. and that's almost 20 years of stuff. Um, but I, I think that since she's been a Senator, you know, you, you obviously can't separate your history, like your past from your record, but you know, she's been pretty consistently liberal since she's been a Senator. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, Joe Biden saw that and mm-hmm. you know, that's what he was going for. So I don't know if you guys had any thoughts or, that was just kind of my little presentation. Mm. Well, I mean, I think if, like, live Twitter, like, 
If you're already going to vote for Joe, you can't be mad at Kamala. Like, Yeah, it's less it's, of a pill to yeah, swallow. Yeah. I think. <laughs> if you're okay with Joe Biden, like... You should be more than fine with Kamala. Yeah. Do got a question. Um, I know you got your notes. I'm just saying, like, where you, like, got your information. So, like, if I want to look some stuff up... Yeah, I mean, I pulled most of the bio stuff just from Wikipedia and, like, looking at some of those links. I know. Nah. <laughs> that was elementary school when it, yeah. Wikipedia was a wild, wild west. So but. the grad school trick for Wikipedia is you go to Wikipedia and you don't cite Wikipedia, but you look at all the links that they've attached to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so that's where I just got most of the general bio stuff. And then some of it's from, a lot of it's from news articles, especially about, like, why she was chosen. So New York Times, mm-hmm. Politico. Uh, 538, the blog always has a ton of good coverage, especially on their podcast. So that's why I usually try to get most of my stuff. I don't, I don't like watching like so cable TV. Nah, it's just bad. It's not hard to, (laughs) (laughs) it's not, it's not hard. No. I mean, if you, if you Google search Kamala Harris, like she is everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. I actually saw, I saw an article that was, uh, talking about, a prediction software that this guy made based on the number of Wikipedia edits. And so he noticed when, before Tim Kaine was nominated as Clinton's VP, he had had like 200-something edits to his Wikipedia page, and none of the other potential candidates were had over 100, and he got chosen. Mm. And so leading into this week, or the week week prior, uh, Kamala Harris had like over 400 edits to her Wikipedia page. And like some of the other Val Demings and like, some of these other people had, you know, like a hundred or so, but wow. she had a lot. So I mean, there's probably some some interns for Joe Biden that are going through yeah. and like cleaning stuff up and mm-hmm. making sure everything looks good. So wow. it's an interesting fact, but you know, that's that's Wikipedia, that on 538, right? Thirty eight, you said. Uh, I saw I saw the article on Reddit. Oh, wow. I, that, so I mean, not the same, but yeah, it was just it's just a fun little tidbit. But mm-hmm. it does go to show like Wikipedia can be changed. So. You know, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable pulling like bio facts, but I wouldn't like take your yeah. like this is what this person believes from Wikipedia because oh, yeah. like anybody <laughs> can go on there and change that. I've you know, so yeah, I mean it's sketch sometimes. Yeah. Um, what do you want, I, Isaiah? I looked in a ton of state stuff. Uh-huh. If you want to go into that for Missouri and Kansas, or just uh, I just got Missouri. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, you, I mean, if you I'm, could go with that, I'm an eight one six guy. So hey. sorry, sorry to the nine one three. I'm five seven three, so it's all good. Yeah, I mean you're on a two one four, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Texas, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Thumbs up. laughs> Texas. Uh, so I kind of got. I looked at all the executive level races. So there's kind of like four big ones that I think are really important. Um, the first one is there's two constitutional amendments coming up in November. Um, and so these are referred to as legislatively referred constitutional amendments, which means that this is coming from either the house and the Senate of Missouri. So these are the legislators that are putting these on the ballot. So these aren't like petitions. Um, so amendment one that's on the ballot would establish a two term limit for state executive officials. So currently, the how the legislature is limited to two terms, and then the governor is limited to two terms. But this would cover the lieutenant governor, secretary of state, the auditor, and the attorney general. 
Um, for, wait, for Missouri, is that two consecutive terms or two lifetime? This terms, would be two right? lifetime for the executive. Um, so the way the legislator w- legislature works is it's consecutive. No, legislature is lifetime. So people like go for two terms in the the House of Reps, and then they'll do two terms in the Senate, and then they're done. Um, so this would just kind of expand those limits. Mm-hmm. It it's not super controversial. There's not any money really like being spent on this. I'm surprised. Why did they decide to put that up? I feel like. So the reasoning that I saw, um, I looked all this up on Ballotpedia too, by the way. So if you guys are ever like looking for election stuff, that's usually a pretty good source of kind of the specifics. Um, but the reasoning, this was actually um, put up by Tony Lutkemeyer, who represents kind of the Northland uh, Senate District. So he's uh, St. Joe, Buchanan County, and oh, then yeah, parts of Clay County. Huh? It's interesting, dude. You met with him? Well, you had dinner at his house. No. <laughs> so I actually funny. I actually worked for his opponent, Martin Rucker the second. Hey, Mizzou wow. grad. Yeah, right? yeah, Mizzou football. Uh, he was tight end. Tight end. Yeah, yeah. So I worked for him right out of school, and so he lost to Tony Lukemeyer. But Dang, then this is Tony's. Man. This is Tony's amendment. There's no way you could lose, bro. You former D1 Mizzou. You okay. got it. You just <laughs> that whole storyline. He had a lot of experience yeah. though with. Martin? Uh, he, had, he had run for a couple of uh, things, but he hadn't won anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he had, he, had done, he had served on some boards and stuff, so it wasn't like he was like a total newcomer, but uh, the Lukemeyer family is like pretty well connected in Missouri mm-hmm. politics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His, his dad's a uh, House of Reps right member yeah. for the. Is it yeah, yeah. I think he's Jeff, Jeff City. Oh, he's wow. the U.S. House of Reps. Yeah, bro. Fuck. So a little bit of expertise, but uh, his reasoning that he said is that he just wanted to kind of create some unity. Uh, It's like some uniform requirements, because I mean, if the or the governor is required to do two terms, it kind of makes sense that everything under it would have two. So this one's not super controversial. Um, The big one is Amendment Three. So in 2018, this amendment passed called Clean Missouri. Oh. Um, and so what it would essentially do is it, it set, it lowered the gift, um, reporting standard for lobbyists. So under clean Missouri, if you receive a gift over $5 from a lobbyist, you have to report that. So essentially anything more than a cup of coffee, like you Mm -hmm. have to report that. Mm -hmm. Um, but the biggest thing is it created a, a nonpartisan state demographer. So this would be like a hired position. And their job would be to draw all of the state legislative districts. Uh, so the way that it kind of works now is that there's a commission that's appointed by the governor. Um, that's nonpartisan, but it's also appointed by the governor. So it's you can't really that control way. that. You know, Why it's, is the governor. Yeah. It should be like a whole it's, council. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, if there's seven seats, four of them are of the party of the governor, and three of them are mm-hmm. the other. But they're responsible for drawing all the districts. Mm-hmm. So this is how you get some really gerrymandered districts yeah. mm-hmm. where, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a natural representation kind of of an area. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll usually set up a district. So um, you want you want safe Republican districts and safe Democrat districts. So Emanuel Cleaver, for example, um, his district is basically all of Kansas City south of the river, but it goes out pretty far east to Grain Valley. And so they draw that district like that because they know that Kansas City is going to be a safe Democratic vote, and that's where all the voters are. Mm. But because you include kind of Grain Valley and kind of like that eastern 
part of the county mm-hmm. that's a little more conservative, mm-hmm. you can't claim that it's just wow. only Democrats. But then they'll draw other districts. So Sam Graves, for example, who's the representative um, from my parents' district, has like the northern sliver of Clay County of the suburbs and then all of North Missouri. <laughs> so it's like farm country, and then it just like draws down, and they cut out this little part of the suburbs. <laughs> so it's like 85% of that district is like conservative farmers, but you got a little bit of the suburban moms, and so they're like, oh, like, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> this is right. This is fair, bro. So like this, what this position, this demographer, their job is to like draw these districts based on like statistics and like the demographic makeup. Mm-hmm. So ideally you wouldn't have these kind of like crazy proportion districts that are kind of decided by literally senators. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a person making those decisions based off of data. Mm-hmm. So what amendment three on the ballot this year does is it gets rid of all of that. So has it only been two years? So clean Missouri hasn't even really like been approved. Mm. So it went through the ballot but then it got to the legislature and they were just talking about how bad it was mm-hmm. and then kind of just never did anything. They never implemented any of the recommendations. Mm-hmm. And so Amendment 3 is there because, remember, this is a legislatively referred constitutional amendment. Mm-hmm. So they took Clean Missouri, got rid of the demographer position. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the same system of the governor-appointed commission. Mm-hmm. Um they lowered the cap on the lobbyist spending from $5 to zero. So under this amendment, you would have to report any gift you receive from a lobbyist. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a cap on campaign contributions. So Clean Missouri set a $2,500 cap for an individual contribution to a state Senate campaign. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I want to donate to my senator, I can only donate $2,500. Mm-hmm. Amendment three lowers that cap to 2,400. So effectively what this amendment is doing is taking all of the teeth out of clean Missouri, which was the demographer position, Mm -hmm. and then kind of just arbitrarily lowering these numbers so that they can say that Mm. it is a ban on lobbyist spending and it reduces campaign contributions. So people see it and they're like, oh, like those are things that I support. Even though you don't realize that it's really just getting like clean Missouri passed with sixty two percent of the vote mm-hmm. in twenty eighteen like sixty two percent of people in Missouri were like, "This is what I want, yeah, and then it went to the legislature and they were like, "We don't want this. What about <laughs> this idea that's not that that's not but you guys should vote for it oh, that's so crazy, it's, it sounds like Parsons could could essentially guarantee his victory with with if he were not to if the demographer wasn't in the position, like yeah, I mean, so the whole the whole reason that gerrymandering is so big is because it's based on census data every mm-hmm. ten years. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if your party is in power of during the year that the census comes out, you're able to basically set up favorable districts for your party for the next ten years. Damn. And so, I mean, it it kind of leads to parties, and you know, like Missouri is is a, it's a pretty red state. So it's, it becomes harder and harder for it to not be a red state yeah. when you're just setting up districts that are kind of designed to lead you to a majority every time. Mm. Um, I mean, that's not to say that if we put in fair districts, Missouri would all of a sudden be blue. Yeah. Like, it's not gonna happen. I mean, outside of Kansas City, 
Springfield and St. Louis, the state's still red, but it's the difference between there being, you know, eight Democratic senators and 12 Democratic senators. Mm. So, I mean, it's it's not going to, like, totally change Missouri politics, but it is kind of an assurance that, you know, the the results are kind of more fair and they're not really being decided by politicians from 10 years ago to yeah. some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's, I mean, this is still a big thing federally on a national level. I know Pennsylvania and Ohio um, had a lot of big challenges to the Supreme Court. Uh, 538 had a podcast series all about this where they kind of went all over different gerrymandered districts mm-hmm. um, and kind of covered it. So it's, it's, it's not just a Missouri thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a nationwide thing, but in the last probably five to 10 years or so, there has been a push for less of this kind of partisan approach to designing these districts and to make it more kind of independent. So this was Missouri's attempt to do that. Um, and it passed. And then <laughs> amendment three is the attempt to keep things the way they've been. Mm-hmm. So Man. that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I see? Oh, I also had the, I got the vote count for amendment three too. So this, this was the, the amendment that got rid of everything, right? Passed the Missouri Senate 22 to nine with zero of the eight Democrats voting in favor of the proposal. Mm. And it passed the House 98 to 56 with one of the 41 Democrats voting for it. So this is a very partisan Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you have 56 no votes. There's 15, there's 16 Republicans in the House that voted against this too. So... You know, this is a this is a relatively one sided kind of proposal. So, you know, sixty percent of people wanted this, and um, the legislature doesn't. So, take that into consideration. Mm, wow, means watch what you vote for. For real, facts. I mean, and and this is this is why like being informed as a voter is so important. Because if you just kind of show up on election day and you see this amendment, that's like, oh, it. Reduce, reduces campaign contributions and gets rid of lobbyist gifts, you're like, oh, those are both things that like sound like a good idea. Mm-hmm. But if you don't really like know the history of it, mm-hmm. you're kind of just, it's they're, they're intentionally pulling the wool over your eyes yep. yeah. to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of stuff on the governor's race, but I wanted to focus on some of these other ones first. Mm-hmm. I think the governor race is going to get a ton of hype because it's a big one, but... I did a little more digging on some of the smaller ones that I think might have more of an impact. So um, I think you guys will see an interesting trend emerging here as I go into this. So <laughs> let me let me know once you figure it out, okay? Uh, so Lieutenant Governor of Missouri this year uh, is the incumbent Republican Mike Kehoe versus Alicia Canada. So Kehoe was appointed as lieutenant governor by Mike Parsons mm-hmm. after Parsons moved up. So Parsons was lieutenant governor, became Greitens. the governor after Greitens w- resigned. Mm-hmm. So he appointed Kehoe as lieutenant governor. Um, this was immediately sued by the Democrats because there's some language in the Constitution saying that the governor is allowed to, to fill certain lieutenant governor is not explicitly included as one of them Mm. um so this kind of went through the appeals court and supreme court and the supreme court said it was okay Mm -hmm. um but immediately as it happened there's a lot of questions um so a little bit of kehoe's background so 
He served as a state senator from 2011 to 2018. Uh, he represented the 6th district, which actually would be your district, Jeff Isaiah. City. Yep. Jeff City and yep. uh, Fulton. And Fulton. Yep. Some of those counties to the west. 573. Um, <laughs> That's what it is. It's the energy. It's the the energy. 573. Uh, this, is, this is your boy, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so here's some interesting, some interesting oh, yeah, facts. Oh, yeah, I did vote for him. Huh? Huh? I was in <laughs> 2011. I was in uh, middle school. 2011 to 2018, he served. I was. Uh, I was. We in, were, I, we was, was in, I was. I was in We were voting age. I was. At, I was. He would have been up. He would have been up for election. And uh, yeah, it would have been 2011. That would have been his first term. So yeah, you, yeah, you didn't vote for him. Yeah, but. yeah, I could. Yeah. When so <laughs> when was the second term? When it started? Well, they served six year terms. So Is it six years? 11 to se- so 11 to 18. It kind of would have been. But I was living in. I was in. I was a KC at that point. Six, six years later, we hadn't graduated. Yeah. Isaiah yeah. didn't, yeah. Isaiah didn't vote for this I was, guy. I didn't vote for this guy. 2017. Here's an interesting thing about Keo, right? So he got his start in 2005 and mm. kind of in politics because he was appointed by then-Governor Matt Blunt to the Missouri Highway and Transportation Committee. Mm-hmm. So Matt Blunt is the son of U.S. Senator Roy Blunt, who's represented Missouri for several decades. Mm. So the reason why Kehoe was appointed by Matt Blunt, because Kehoe doesn't have any college degrees. He's a small business guy. Yep. Mm. Kehoe owns a car dealership. Yep. And so Kehoe donated <laughs> some buses and a Ford Explorer to Matt Blunt's campaign for his use on kind of a road trip. Uh, which Matt Blunt did not properly report his donation and was subsequently fined $15,000 for failing to disclose the gift that Mike Kehoe gave him. So when he was running for governor, Kehoe gave him some vehicles to use, um, and then Matt Blunt turned around and put him on the chair of the Missouri Highway Transportation. So, uh, MoDOT? MoDOT. Yeah. So he doesn't. He didn't have any experience before that. He owned oh. a car dealership, um, <laughs> and then wrote a nice gift, and then got a nice promotion. So take that as you will. Um, his opponent, uh, Alicia Candidate, is actually a Kansas City, uh, Kansas City's own. She was the fifth district councilwoman for Kansas City from 2005 2019. Uh, she has a bachelor's from Park University and a JD from the University of South Dakota. She actually finished third in the mayoral election this year in the primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had 13.6% of the vote. Lucas, who went on to win, had 18%. So it's close. Kind of close. Yeah. Um, when she was with the city, she was the chair of the Neighborhood and Public Safety Committee as well as the Health Commission uh, and is currently the chair of the Kansas City TIF Commission, uh, which is tax increment financing. Mm-hmm. is kind of like they decide public financing. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She has a little. She has a little bit of a background in Kansas City. Um, you know, she's run as a Democrat. I didn't dive in as much on the issues of Lieutenant Governor because they are not necessarily as much of a policy voice. Um, although one interesting fact about Lieutenant Governor and why it's so important in Missouri is it's one of the it's the only position in Missouri where you're both serving in the executive and the legislative branch. Mm. So the Lieutenant Governor is the president of the state senate. So kind of how the VP of the United States is technically the president of the Senate. It's the same thing for Missouri. Mm. And so 
while they're not necessarily voting, they do have the ability to vote if it's a tie. So there is some kind of tie-breaking capacity. But other than that, they're kind of they're responsible for um, the Missouri like Service Commission. Um, so they they kind of have some some administrative roles, but they are kind of unique in that they have a little bit of both. So that's why this one's kind of important. Um, I think it's highlighted more now because of Parsons, because Parsons kind of ran as lieutenant governor and everyone's like, oh, like, I don't know what lieutenant governor does. Let's vote for him. And then the governor resigns and all of a sudden you're in charge of the state. So this is kind of, it's really important because you're literally one step away from being in charge of the state. Mm -hmm. So it's worth highlighting for that, even though this one doesn't necessarily have a ton of influence, like we can kind of see how, (laughs) how that influences stuff. Um, The next interesting one is attorney general. So we have Eric Schmidt is the uh, incumbent um, versus Richard Finneran. So Schmidt has his bachelor's from Truman State and his JD from St. Louis University. Uh, And he was appointed attorney general by Governor Parsons after Josh Hawley left. So Hawley was the attorney general, said he wasn't going to run for Senate, and then ran for Senate. (laughs) (laughs) And then won, and then he was out. That man, gross. He said it. He's going, <laughs> no. huh? He be going in on people. He probably, man. He uh, he is all over the place. I didn't do any back. I don't want to talk about Josh Hawley. Um, <laughs> <You're> good, <man. laughs> uh, so sh- back to Schmidt a little bit. Um, he has a he has a pretty decent record uh, in terms of history. He he served as an alderman of Glendale, Missouri, uh, from 2005 to 08. Was in the state senate from 2009 to 2017, and then served as treasurer from 17 to 19. So treasurer is essentially the CFO of Missouri. You're kind of responsible for like the investments and the budget of the state. Mm. Um, and I was looking through his legislative record um, when he was a Senate and Senator and when he was a treasurer. Um, honestly, he got a lot of pretty interesting stuff done. I mean, he's responsible for like two of the largest, not responsible, but he voted for two of the largest tax cuts mm. in Missouri history. Which, I mean, if you're a conservative and you voted for tax cuts, then he did what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I think that is probably a really good bipartisan thing he did is um, he kind of championed this act called ABLE. And so ABLE is kind of designed to expand 529 tax savings plans for children with special needs. Mm-hmm. So a 529 plan is like a tax advantage savings plan. Mm-hmm where you basically put away money for college for a kid. So it's kind of like an IRA for your kid's college. Mm -hmm. And so he, he like helped expand this program uh, while he was a Senator and also worked on it as a treasurer um, to kind of like expand that service um, because it's provided through the state, uh, the tax benefits essentially. So um, that was something that I saw. I was like, Oh, like that's like really kind of cool, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But Oh, and one other thing, too, is he uh, helped bar traffic ticket quotas. Um, so there's kind of the, the rumor about how police, like, make their money by having quotas. If they got to write so many tickets. Yeah. So in Missouri, that's not legal. Um, he was one. He worked with another uh, Democratic senator to kind of get that passed. So kind of had some interesting, you know, both sides, kind of tax cuts, but also limiting revenue. Um his record as the attorney general is a little bit different. Um, so kind of some notable things that he has done since he's been attorney general. Um, he argued that government officials could withhold records from a sunshine law request. 
Uh, so the Sunshine Law is a law in Missouri where essentially if you fill out a form um, and request paperwork from a public meeting, mm-hmm. the government is required to provide you with a transcript or kind of what went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's an accountability law that's kind of designed so you know what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, and so people were requesting Sunshine Law requests from the governor, and mm-hmm. then he kind of came out with this argument that, like, oh, no, some things we don't have to sunshine. Mm. Um, Isn't that uh, what caused uh, Eric Greitens, like, out, like, because he refused to disclose, like, personal information about, like, text messages or what? Yeah, so part of his scandal was that he had his staff using an app that would automatically delete oh, text yeah. messages. Yeah. And so part of the complaint was if these are work-related mm-hmm. communications, because this applies to, like, emails, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're saying if you're, like, if, if you send us as an email, mm-hmm. which is a similar, like, medium of conveying information, this would be legal. But because you use this app that intentionally deletes everything, yeah. you're, like, blocking people from sunshining. So yeah. that was part of it. So that's yeah. the sunshine law yeah. and history. Mm-hmm. Um, Schmitz also signed a Supreme Court brief arguing the Civil Rights Act of 1964 does not protect LGBTQ persons from employment discrimination. Um, we saw that in this year the Supreme Court ruled that that was not the case and that discrimination based on sexual orientation is, in fact, protected by the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh, Schmidt supports lifelong residency requirements or lifting residency requirements for police officers in St. Louis He's currently suing the entire country of China um, for covering up Corona and damaging Missouri. Yep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we were the first state. We were the first state to do that, bro. And people was like, "Oh, that's that's nice, bro." What? That's not. They don't care. Yeah. Give a fuck about Missouri. Give a fuck. Yeah, I'm not. It's. It seems like a more um, political lawsuit than actual. Expecting the Chinese to pay up. I remember just laughing. (laughs) When that story came How does that even work, <laughs> bro? Like, how? <laughs> what are we doing? So this dude's spending our money doing this? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got some more stuff, too. Don't worry. Um, so you guys remember that couple in St. Louis that oh. was holding those guns at the protesters? So the protesters were, like, marching down their street yeah. to protest at someone else's house, and they came out, and the man was, like, pointing an M16, and his <laughs> wife was holding a pistol. She had a finger on the trigger. Um, with their, they, yeah, they were not in great trigger discipline, um, which – so there was some, some, some argument about castle doctrine and being allowed to protect your property – um, but that requires you to reasonably prove that you felt like you were in danger. And I think most of the lawyers that were looking at it are saying, I don't know if you can reasonably argue that you were in danger when these people are like in your street. <laughs> They're not like trying to get into your house. And so brandishing a weapon at someone is a felony. Yeah. That's one thing um, like, um, working uh, for the PD, they yeah. were talking about how, um, one thing we talked about, one of the officers was like, yeah. So, like, someone could be on the sidewalk, like, cussing you the fuck out, like, while you're in your house, and they can't do nothing about it. Like, the police can't do nothing about mm. it. Yeah. You te- you can't do nothing it's about it. It's not private it. property. Yeah. Yeah. So. And and Parson came out, and Parsons came out and said that he was going to pardon them if they get charged. Yeah. And so, so Schmidt went on, uh, this was a Fox News article that I read, mm-hmm. um, and he said that charges levied against this couple were, quote, nothing more than a political prosecution. Um, 
So Schmidt, the attorney general, is basically saying that the only reason these people are being charged with anything is because they were gun-owning Republicans who were defending their property from protesters, um, regardless of whether they were allowed or not allowed to brandish a gun. So it's kind of become a culture war politics Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also uh, Eric Schmidt is signed on as one of the attorney generals to sue to overturn Obamacare. So there's a a group of attorney generals from all across the country that are kind of suing it. It's not the majority of states. It's some states, but we're one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, The man who is running against him, Richard Finneran, uh, has a bachelor's from the University of North Carolina and his JD from uh, Washington University. He served as the assistant U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Missouri from 2010 to 17, uh, primarily focusing on white collar, violent crime, drug trafficking, and fraud. He's a partner at Brian Cave Law Firm in St. Louis and serves as an adjunct professor of constitutional law at Washington U. Washington. Um, his three core issues on his campaign, according to him, are protecting health care, uh, being smart on crime, not tough on crime, and putting people over politics. Um, and so I was looking into – this guy doesn't have as much of a history in politics. This is kind of his first time running. So I was pulling some stuff off his website. Um, a lot of these candidates, their websites are all buzzwords, right? It's yeah. like saying things like – Oh, like I stand for this. And you're like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, but I did find like a couple of things on his website. Yeah. You're like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, he did say kind of uh, some explicit things he laid out. Um, would he would end the participation in the Obamacare suit. So take Missouri out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to examine explicit and implicit bias in the justice, justice system. Oh, that's dope. Um, he wants to end efforts to enforce the Missouri eight week abortion ban. Mm-hmm. So Missouri has one of the most restrictive yeah. abortion laws in the country. So if it's if you're requesting or going to receive an abortion after eight weeks, um, you can be charged with a Class B felony, which is punishable wow. to uh, up to 15 years in prison. Fuck. Um, it's also has a unique distinction of being one of the only abortion bans that does not include exemptions for rape or incest. So this is insane. It's the same. Very, very restrictive. Um, so he would not enforce that. Um, and also he supports the Clean Missouri Act and supports efforts to vote by mail, which is kind of a, a hot topic right now. Yeah. Um, so that's the AG race. I think kind of to sum it up, you know, Schmidt has a, a solid record as a, as a politician, did a lot of things. He was productive. You know, some of the things I might agree with, some of them I not, might not with. But, I mean, the dude got stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, but since he's been attorney general, he's kind of had a, a more political take on the role. Um, than, I mean, it's a political role in itself, right? But, you know, I think some AGs kind of tend to keep their head down and kind of prosecute cases, and then some of them – um, sue China to prove a point. <laughs> and so Schmidt's kind of the number two. Um, and I mean, Finneran has a, you know, he has a decent background, U.S. attorney for seven years. So this this should be an interesting one to watch. But um wanted to highlight that one because, you know, I think AG is kind of the same thing, right? We don't think about these kind of mm-hmm. other executive ones outside of the governor, but they do have a lot of clout. Um and then one of the other big ones we have is Secretary of State. And so 
Secretary of State, we have Jay Ashcroft, uh, the incumbent Republican, versus Yinka Folletti. So Ashcroft has a bachelor's and master's in engineering management from Rolla, um, and oh, then okay. and a JD from SLU. Um, he His first kind of secretary of state was his first victory um, in politics in 2016. Uh, his only other, only other campaign that he ran was a Senate campaign in 2014, which he lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ashcroft is kind of his big thing is that he is a strong supporter of very strict voter ID laws. Um, he's quoted as saying that voter fraud is, quote, an exponentially greater threat than hacking to the security of our election. Um, the Kansas City Star, and I quote this, says, there has never been a reported case of voter impersonation fraud in Missouri. <laughs> Yo. So um, we'll leave that. Um, Ashcroft is also one of only three secretary of states in the country who complied with the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. So this was like very early on um, when Trump was elected. But this was a committee that was chaired by Mike Pence and vice chaired by Chris Kobach, the one and only Kansas's native son, um, which was basically set out um, to examine voter fraud. Because at the time, the claims were that the only reason that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote was because people were illegally voting for her. Um, so basically, their job was to like go around to all these states and ask for <laughs> all of this information about voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ashcroft was one of the only three who actually complied with this. Most of the Secretary of States were like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> um, so Jay Ashcroft gave... This presidential commission, uh, presidential commission, information on all the voters in Missouri's name, addresses, birthdays, where you voted, and when you voted. So that um, sounds way worse than the actual voter fraud. What the hell? Yeah. So what? I, I'm not a I'm not a huge conspiracy guy, but. Didn't we're uh, on a list somewhere if yeah. we voted in Missouri? Bro, Didn't crazy. the mayor of one city in Missouri try to use that? Uh, against like that data against the person that was like protesting her or something like this, he did. So uh, that was in that was in Overland Park, mm-hmm. but yeah, there was um, that story. If I remember correctly, was um, it was over, I don't know if it was Overland Park itself or it's one of the cities in Kansas, but they were about to ban um, discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation, mm-hmm. and there was a man who came to. Um, voices support for them banning that sort of discrimination. Mm-hmm. And then one of the council women um, in that city, like went to a work party with him or something. And was like, do you know so-and-so and like kind of like alluded to knowing where he worked and then like, Whoa. Oh yeah. Like he's a, he's a big opponent of me or whatever. And kind of said some things that could be interpreted as like a threat to your employment. But the scandal was like just because like I come to testify doesn't give you the right to like mm-hmm. find me outside of mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. and like confront me about this. So mm-hmm. this wasn't Missouri side. Yeah. Well, St. Louis mayor did release name and address. She was like saying that loud. Oh, on yeah. Facebook Live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was a that was a petition, right? Um, 
I think it was a defund the police petition, uh, and she started reading up people. Yeah, I mean, that's... probably drinking some wine, and was just like, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, pro- that's problematic. Um, yeah, but Ashrock... I didn't even hear about this, though, about this committee. Yeah, it was, it was pretty early on. What? Um, that's crazy. Three people, bro. <laughs> I think the Chris Kobach Name appointee, addresses. like, lost a lot of credibility. Um, Kobach made his money, like, going to states and... In rural Kansas and writing um, illegal laws about immigrants, so that all of his like ordinances that he has written for these cities have all been struck down by higher courts, and so the kind of the crux of it is like if you were this good of a lawyer, you would have known that this was illegal. So you were just kind of like charging these people to write some discriminatory stuff and then get paid for it. So I think once his name was attached to it, it kind of yeah. became very clear Wasn't like what he, the motivations were. Didn't he get accused of sexual assault too or something like I that? I don't know. I don't know. He might have, but I don't know. I don't want to say anything. What? On what that <laughs> no, I mean, like, I really don't know if he did no, or not. Because he was the one running against Roger Marshall, right? There's something about Kobach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really following that race, to be honest. I. I'm pretty sure Kobach ended up winning that, right? No, he lost. Oh, he okay. Got smacked. That's good. Um, okay. I saw a lot of Chris Kobach signs in Atchison. Um, that didn't surprise me. But anyway, back to Missouri. Um, so back to Ashcroft. Um, he also supports making it harder to place initiatives on the ballot. Um, so he supported some legislation which would require a refundable fee of $500 for filing an initiative petition. So if you wanted to, if you had enough signatures to put something on the ballot, you would have to pay the secretary of state $500 to process this. And then if it was correct, then you would get your $500 back. He also supports placing a per signature fee to place petitions on the ballot. Oh my God. Um, as well as higher signature thresholds for proposed constitutional Ash- amendments. Ashcroft. Ashcroft. Um, so he said that he estimated that putting a $500 refundable fee would decrease the amount of petitions submitted to the Secretary of State's office by 75%. He just so. Just, no, he doesn't want to go through that work. That's what it seems like. He don't want to process all that. Like his office, yeah. He doesn't want to do all that. Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak to his motivations behind supporting it, but it would definitely kind of dampen, you know, this a certain level of political activism of, you know, the kind of the way it exists right now is if you have an issue that so many people are passionate about and put their name behind it, like it gets put on a ballot. Um, And you know, he he kind of said that. Uh, we live in a republic, not a democracy, and these issues should be voted on by the representatives and not the general public. So um, Ashcroft has some interesting views for a secretary of state. Um, his opponent, Yinka Folletti, uh, is a Nigerian immigrant who wow. graduated from Westport. West, Westport. Graduated <laughs> from Westport. Hey, turn up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He graduated from West Point in uh, 1998. Whoa. Served two tours in Kuwait. He's a captain in the Army. Uh, he shit. was involved in Operation Desert Spring <laughs> and Operation Enduring Freedom. So that was like pre-9-11 and directly after 9-11. Wow. Um, went back and got his JD from WashU. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a partner at Brian Cave in St. Louis, so the same firm as uh, Finneran. He also served as a state prosecutor and was a nonprofit executive working for United Way of St. Louis. 
Um, so his three kind of main goals that he kind of wanted to address as a secretary of state was to increase access to safe and secure voting, mm-hmm. secure elections from foreign interference, and protect our ballot initiative process. So when we're looking at these two candidates, um, they might be the exact opposite in terms of their goals for secretary of state. Yeah. Um, Ashcroft says that voter fraud is a bigger deal than foreign interference and wants to make it harder to land a successful petition. Mm -hmm. Um, And Floody says the exact opposite. He wants, you know, safe and secure voting, but also to protect the initiative process. Mm -hmm. So they're about polar opposites on issues. But again, wanted to highlight these because you don't really think about secretary of state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they come out and say like, oh, you can't vote unless you have 14 forms of ID. Science. And then no one can vote, and mm-hmm. then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another one. I don't know what. How much time we got left? We're at fifty-six right now. Fifty-six. I mean, I got like four more on here. Oh, okay. Well, we we could, uh, do you want to like stop this one and record? Because last time that we went over an hour, then it mess up or something. No, it did. It was because the the something with like the space on my computer or something. Oh, okay. It should oh, yeah. be fine. It's up to you guys. It should be fine. Yeah, if I'm taking if I'm taking too long, no, nah, 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 man, it's this good information. It's dope, bro. Like, I love I this. No I wanted to, uh, yeah. to hey Ballotpedia, shout out. I wanted to peek on or speak <laughs> peek on speak on like the are they both Republicans for the Secretary of State or is it no 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 no, no sorry so this is this is the post primary oh, okay gotcha so almost so all of these i if i wasn't explicit the first name is the republican okay and second is that so kehoe's the republican for yeah. lieutenant governor mm-hmm. schmidt's the republican for ag mm-hmm. and ashcroft is the republican from mm-hmm. secretary of state um did you guys i joked about there being a reoccurring theme did you guys figure it out the guys are crazy maybe they're trying to <laughs> all of all of these guys were appointed to their role by parsons oh, so oh. so this is like their first opportunity to earn the spot through election but all of these people were kind of like when parsons got bumped up they got bumped they, up too yeah because i mean schmidt was the treasurer and got bumped up mm. and then ashcroft was just a senator who got bumped up mm. so is that what happens when uh if the governor has to leave like the lieutenant governor that takes over can decide their own like cabinet so i mean yeah if you're if there's a position to fill oh, okay. at the executive level like some states have a process where you have to call a special election. Um, it's there's there's kind of reasons for not doing that, right? Because like if something like this happens and you have to have an election, you know, there's a certain time requirement because you have to give people the chance to file and run and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. if you have that, you know, you might not have a lieutenant governor for like a year and a half. Mm. So Missouri allows you to appoint it, and so what happened is you had one guy kind of leave and then it kind of left a, a flurry of appointments mm. of kind of like Parsons, this guy was known picked. as a career politician like he's not a winner and there's a reason why mm-hmm. and now we see he yeah. does he does have a history of stuff i have more on parsons i was kind of going to save them for the last because they're the thickest ones but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um so treasurer we have the incumbent scott fitzpatrick the republican versus vicky england um, so Fitzpatrick has a bachelor's in business from Missouri, Missouri University, University of Missouri. Columbia. Uh, he served. <laughs> <laughs> he 
He served in the Missouri House of Reps from 2013 to 2019 uh, and was appointed the Missouri treasurer in 2018. So once Schmidt, who was the treasurer, became AG, then Fitzpatrick was appointed treasurer Mm. out of the House of Reps. Mm. Um, For the treasurer, you know, like I was saying, this is the CFO of Missouri. So it's not like a super politicized kind of race. It's really just like you're responsible for the budget. So, you know. Don't screw it up. Yeah. Um, one interesting fact about Fitzpatrick, though, is um, before this election, mm-hmm. when we had the Medicaid expansion on the ballot, mm-hmm. um, Fitzpatrick went on a tour of Missouri um, with the House Budget Committee chair um, to vocally oppose Medicaid expansion on the grounds that it would be too expensive for the state. So, mm-hmm. as a treasure, as the treasurer of Missouri. He went on a tour with a committee chairperson to oppose a ballot initiative. Hmm. Um, Isn't that unethical? Or is that... I don't know explicitly, but there does seem to be... I mean, I guess if your complaint is that it's expensive, it kind of makes sense to have the treasurer talk about it because they'd be the ones that are like most familiar with the budget. Mm-hmm. Um but it because of how politicized like Medicaid expansion has become, mm. um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's political overtones to every kind of mm. Medicaid-related thing. To go on a whole tour. Um, so it's kind of hard to say like, was he doing it for political reasons or was he doing it just from a financial perspective? Like, I don't really know his intention, but mm. that was just an interesting tidbit that I had about Treasurer. Um, his opponent. Vicki England has a bachelor's and a master's in political science from American University. She served in the Missouri House of Reps from 2009 to 2011 and from 2013 to 2015. Um, And a couple issues that she highlighted on her website is wanting to do um, as treasurers expand Medicaid um, as well as the expansion of the 529 tax plans. So coming back to... um, Yeah, the ABLE and kind of that process. So that's kind of an interesting highlight too. Um, in terms of more local races, um, there's kind of two big ones for Jackson County. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh. we'll start with the sheriff cause that one's the easier one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Daryl Forte is running unopposed yeah. for sheriff. So in his primary, he was challenged by Mike Sharp. Mm. Um, so Mike Sharp resigned from the Jackson County Sheriff's office, um, because he was found to be maintaining a romantic sexual and financial relationship with an employee of the sheriff's office um, while that employee had a pending lawsuit against the county for harassment. Um, So once that came to light, he resigned. Forte was appointed to replace him um, in 2016, um, making him the first black sheriff of Jackson County. Before he was the Jackson County Sheriff, Uh, He served 32 years with the KC Police Department and was the chief of police from 2011 to 2016, um, which also made him the first black police chief of Kansas City. So Mm. there's no one running against Forte on the Republican side. So he's, you know, he's got it in the bag. He can't lose. Um, Secure the bag. But there was an interesting (laughs) primary between, you know, the guy who he replaced was coming back, and then Forte ended up blowing him out of the water. It was like 80% of the vote. So um, <laughs> yeah, that was some crazy. interesting Democratic primary drama going on for the sheriffs 
you know we love that drama but yeah um he's got that one in the bag the next one is the jackson county prosecutor that's a hot topic yeah so (laughs) this one has a lot going on so uh jean peters baker is the democrat she is the incumbent prosecutor um, and she is running against Tracy Chappell. I think that's how you pronounce it. Chappell. Ch- it's two P's and two L's. C H A P P E L L. Chappelle, like Chappelle show. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, know. She's a Republican. So supposedly, that's what oof. I've heard. Yeah. So I was gonna get to that uh, at the end. Um, so Baker has a master's in public administration from MU and a JD from UMKC. Uh, she was appointed as the Jackson County Prosecutor in 2011 and was elected in 2012. Um, so kind of the first big highlight that she had um, was she prosecuted Bishop Finn of the Kansas City Archdiocese oh, uh, for yeah. failing to report knowledge of child pornography. Mm-hmm. So there was one of the priests that had like taken lewd photos of children and the bishop mm-hmm. knew about it and didn't report it so at the time i don't know if it's still the case but at the time this was the most senior church official who was prosecuted and faced charges in the united states wow that case i mean he was guilty yeah well i don't remember how many years he got but But he was found guilty yes essentially the 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 crux of it was that there's some level of mandatory reporter status yeah Um, when it comes to children and so even if you're a bishop it's that information didn't come along through confession and there's a whole level of Mm -hmm. theology and stuff behind that but he knew about it independent of that and didn't report it so that's how that went down so that was her first high profile case um, 2013, she was working on some high school football case in Northwest Missouri involving oh. sexual assault. Um, I'll tell you about this. After yeah, this. yeah. I, I believe it was like a, a high school football player yep. like raped yeah. a girl, yep. and then the whole town tried yep. to cover it up because yeah, he yeah. had a scholarship. Yeah, Isaac, a, Isaac, go ahead. Man, so uh, my my significant other, she actually was able to talk to this the the girl, the victim. Um, she actually just recently passed. She uh, she died by suicide. Um, there's there's like multiple movies and documentaries about what happened. The it, like like Matt said, the whole town came together to try to protect him. And college, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was just it's just like disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that damaged the whole like reputation of like the people in that town. Like mm-hmm. they're not, no one's gonna listen to them moving forward. But. It's just it was that that story is terrible, it's awful. Yeah. yeah, I well, I was looking it up like during the primary, and they asked Jean Peters Baker to like what prosecute, like because she was independent or something like that, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's not in Jackson like, County. It's yeah. kind of out of her jurisdiction, it but was, uh, she was kind of invited was in Maryville's County. Is that so, Buchanan? Uh, I think that's north of no, Buchanan. I think even it's, is it Andrew? Maybe it Andrew. It's definitely north of St. Joe by like quite a bit. But yeah, I mean that was another like high profile case that she was involved in. Um she was also a part of the investigation into Eric Greitens in two thousand eighteen. Um so kind of digging into some of that stuff as kind of an Are we back? Oh well you could have just edited it. No, I saw it. We the people oh. know. Alright, well <laughs> we here. There's some technical difficulties. Was actually right. 
But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because that part's gonna be in there. Oh yeah. So it's all right. Yeah. You don't even have to talk about it. I was right. It's all right. I was a little, I'm a little long-winded. What can I say? <laughs> um, so we were talking about Maryville um, and Baker, Peter's Baker, prosecuting that stuff up there. Um, she's also part of the investigation into Eric Greitens in 2018 um, when that whole stuff went around. Uh, and she's also the former head of the Missouri Democratic Party. Uh, she resigned in July. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on the Democrats with policing reforms and i think that she kind of just wanted to be out of the limelight on that a little bit um 2020 some more recent stuff um she called out the kcpd in a kansas city star article um saying they needed to find a new way to invest uh, investigate officer related incidents um and so her complaint kind of stemmed from she had had difficulty securing probable cause statements from officers so when there is a, a police-related incident, whether it be a shooting or whatever, um, the police are required to submit a probable cause statement to the prosecutor so that they can kind of determine whether there was an appropriate course of action. Um, and she hasn't really been receiving those. Mm. Um, there is a lot of, like, responses from the KCPD of kind of explaining why they weren't doing it, but... Her stance was kind of like, I don't know why you guys aren't doing this, but I can't really be an independent investigator over these cases if I don't get a probable cause statement. Um, so that's kind of been, if, as we'll get to later, that's kind of a controversial view of some people saying, like, she's not doing enough, like, regardless of what the KCPD is doing, like, she needs to do more. Um, so that actually might be kind of a determining factor in this election. Um, which brings us to Tracy Chappelle. Uh, she has a bachelor's in political science from Jacksonville State um, and a JD from UMKC. She's the ruse. The ruse. Go ruse. So we got an alumni battle for a Jackson County prosecutor. Wow. Um, Chappelle served as a senior assistant counselor for Jackson County, and so when she was doing that, she would basically be providing um, legal advice for most of the county's departments, including the prosecutor's office. Uh, she was appointed the prosecutor of Blue Springs in 2018, um, and so she was the first black woman to serve as a prosecutor for the city of Blue Springs. Um, she doesn't have as dense of a, a record as Jackson County. I was trying to find a lot of stuff even on her website. Um, I mean, she was just appointed prosecutor in 2018 for Blue Springs, so she hasn't really had the chance to kind of build up her record like Baker has. Um, but one interesting thing that Gilmy alluded to earlier is um, when I was looking through her record, I'm not really sure why she's running as a Republican. Because um, some of the things that she was talking about that she wanted to support or she wanted to do as a prosecutor, um, she talked a lot about like supporting diversion programs and mental health courts, um, as well as preventative efforts to deter crime and reduce recidivism. Um, those seem to be like very traditionally democratic views on mm -hmm. policing more of the approach of let's address kind of the underlying factors why people are committing crimes and then also like connect people with social services for minor stuff to kind of get them treatment um it seems like the tr the traditional republican platform has kind of been you know three strikes 
um, mandatory minimums, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously that stuff was like implemented a relatively long time ago, but um, when you think of the politics of policing, um, it's just kind of interesting. I think probably part of it is that she was running as a Republican because she didn't want a primary against Baker. And so if you run as a Republican and you don't have to face her in the primary, that gives you more time to like get your name out there, especially if you're kind of a newer on the scene. Um, a chance to win too. Going off that though, uh, KCBD is implementing a lot of social social work. Um, huh? They have social work positions okay. in the um, stations now. One of the only police departments to do that. Would you happen to be one of those? I am one of those. Hey. So <laughs> let's go. Yeah, so it's uh, a lot going on. One of the only ones, and hopefully keeps evolving and other police departments develop that heck yeah yeah so with your with in your position you've only been there for like what two weeks now two uh-huh. weeks three weeks two weeks um have you seen is it different on the inside than it is on the outside like viewing it like seeing the police interact with the people oh yeah it's way different it's way different because you don't really like one thing i figured about myself is you don't really think about the human aspect of like someone being a police officer mm-hmm and like dealing with like how maybe like the pressure they feel mm-hmm. in terms of like what society has to say and like your own personal interactions mm. with the people that like in the community mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because there are like obviously bad police officers yeah but then there's the ones that like they're actually trying to help trying to do good by the people they're yeah like policing and mm-hmm. so it's like I think the human factor is being taken out of it because mm-hmm. like, I think social media is a huge reason why yeah. it's kind of just like straight. Sometimes it's just like straight hate and like not really much understanding because mm-hmm. nope. it's almost like they want someone like within that field to act like kind of like a robot. Mm-hmm. But like there are good police officers that are really trying to do good and like Sometimes you don't know who the bad ones are until there's that pressure situation. Yeah, to that. So then it's happens. just like, mm-hmm. yeah. And and going back to what you said and piggyback on on uh, your experience so far, like the implicit and explicit uh, biases that uh-huh. we all have. Everybody has those. And so, like, if, the, if a police officer were to be a robot, those automatic implicit biases that we all have would go first. And so, and there's a lot of studies that we, we talked about in school mm-hmm. where it's like, our implicit bias is to to bring harm to the black person first. Mm-hmm. And that's just for everybody. It's like across the board somehow. And, you know, yeah, the human aspect needs to be, like, focused more on. I think um, there has to be a conversation. It's yeah. just like they're not, they're not going to go away. Mm-hmm. It's just this is not how it's, not how it's going to work. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. Sorry, Heck yeah. <laughs> um, the only other thing I had to add about the Jackson County prosecutor. So when I was I was alluding to kind of the the probable cause argument. So Chappelle has uh, critiqued Baker, Gene Peters Baker, for not filing these probable cause statements. Um, so Chappelle was saying that the prosecutor's office essentially, um, through doing their own research, can file like an independent probable cause statement. So part of her critique was is. You're, you're just putting the blame on the KCPD for not having these probable cause statements. So, like, even if that's what they're supposed to do and they're not doing it, 
you're still able to kind of work around that. And so you could still be investigating and, you know, potentially prosecuting some of these cases if you did your own research and filed mm-hmm. an independent probable cause. So um, it's kind of like a, a chicken and an egg situation um, with these things, right? It's like KCPD is supposed to do it. If they're not doing it, the prosecutor can. And so Baker's Peter or Peter ba- Peter's Baker has kind of said, well, if you're not going to do it, you need to figure out why it's not happening because mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one who issues this kind of independent probable cause, mm-hmm. which is reasonable. But then Chappelle says, you know, if you have the means to investigate this yourself and issue an independent is also reasonable. So it's kind of, it'll be kind of an interesting thing. I don't know how, um, how debates are going to go given, you know, with COVID and everything, like if they're going to have zoom calls or even how much attention is going to be paid to the Jackson County prosecutors race. But I think that could be kind of an interesting one because, you know, like I was saying, it, it kind of seems like they both have similar views to kind of policing in general, but it might come down to more of a, a police relations mm-hmm. kind of thing as, I mean, that's the hot topic. Mm-hmm. So that could be an interesting one. Um, the last kind of election one I have is the governor's race. Um, if we want to talk a little bit about that, I yeah. know that one's going to be a big one in the news, but um, this year we have Mike Parsons, the incumbent, versus Nicole Galloway. Um, so Mike Parsons was the lieutenant governor who became the governor after Eric Greitens resigned. Um, before he was lieutenant governor, Parsons was served in the House of Reps from 2005 to 2011, um, and then served in the Senate from 2011 to 2017. Um, so a couple of bullet points kind of about, um, I'm, I'm, I feel like throughout this, I've never really been saying if there are right or wrong things to do, but just kind of highlighting some things. So, um, the first thing that Parsons did, um, when he was Lieutenant governor was spend $54,000 on renovations to the Lieutenant governor's office. (laughs) Um, he said it hasn't, hadn't been $54,000, bro. This is when he was Lieutenant governor. This, yeah. This is like one of the first things, uh, he said it hadn't been renovated or kept up in 12 years. And so that it was in need of some maintenance. I don't know how much maintenance it needed, but and he had the power to do that without a vote. Huh? Like he yeah, had the power to just, cause he's in the executive. So it's through his budget. And oh, so, so, his, so the budget's already set out for him. Yeah, so another thing, too, is that he had been requesting, like, budget increases for um, extra pay for, like, his driver, um, some out-of-state travel. Bro, if the driver, I can understand. The driver, that, I that's think, the driver's I money, think it was a $25,000 raise. Wow. But, I don't understand uh, that. Uh, <laughs> what? But, uh, well... <laughs> It was something like almost a hundred thousand dollar increase to the budget um, that he was requesting for his office, and his his kind of justification was that the lieutenant governor has the smallest budget of all of the statewide offices. Mm-hmm. But kind Where of like that money come from the budget. I mean taxes. Yeah, but then again, Republicans are slashing are giving tax cuts. So where does that come from? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> there is that's there is that's the, hey that's the treasurer's job. Uh, Their job is to <laughs> be the CFO um, and find that. Uh, but um, 
Parsons was also, uh, in 2017, the only statewide elected official to report accepting gifts from a lobbyist. Um, that doesn't mean he was the only one ever, but that just means in that year that he was lieutenant governor, he was the only one who accepted gifts from a lobbyist. Um, so a couple of things highlighting kind of more of his um, political stances. Um Parsons was the one who initially proposed the repeal of Clean Missouri. So when we were talking about Amendment 3 earlier and getting rid of that demographer, um, Parsons kind of rolled that out, put that in motion. Um, Parsons signed the most restrictive abortion law in the United States, um, which criminalizes abortion after eight weeks as a Class B felony, punishable by 5 to 15 years in prison, uh, with no exemptions for rape or incest. Um, In terms of covid Parsons hasn't necessarily laid out any strict statewide regulations. Um, he's kind of been letting more local jurisdictions lead on that. Um, he did close schools in April due to COVID for the remainder of the year until the next school year. Um, he's also made national news uh, more recently um, for his kind of view on reopening schools. So um, I have a quote here that he said. He said, children are, quote, at lowest risk possible, and if they do get COVID-19, which they will, and they will when they go to school, they're not going to hospitals, they're going to go home, and they're going to get over it. Um, <sighs> that's our guy. That's, that's the was close schools in April until the next school year. Yeah, I mean, there was a... Let's cut that out, because every state that, did though. that. Yeah, every First. state did that. Every state so did go, that. Go, hold on. He, he said they're going to get over it? So yeah. what about the people in the fa- in the house, the parents and the siblings? They gonna get it too? Oh, okay, all right. All right. We'll, we'll continue. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, I'll let I'll let the quote kind of speak for itself. Um, <laughs> and not and not to critique it, but I mean, in terms of his response, he has leaned much more towards keep Missouri open, um, especially the tourism industry in the Ozarks, which is a huge yeah. thing. So part of the reason that they changed, they actually changed the school year in Missouri to start later. And part of the reason for that is because they wanted the high schoolers who all worked at the Lake of the Ozarks to be able to work for an extra week because the state gets a ton of tax revenue from people coming to the Ozarks. I did not know that part. So when, when we see all the stuff and all the, there's a pool photo of everybody in um, the Ozarks and everyone was like, wow, Missouri really doing the most. Um, <laughs> you know, part of, part of his philosophy is that we get a lot of money from the Ozarks. So he was going to keep that open. Um, even if other states like Illinois, you know, neighboring state was very shut down. I'm sure a lot of people from Illinois were like, let's go to Missouri. Like, yep. so <laughs> he has been much more hands off, um, much more in line with the president in terms of mm-hmm. that regard. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Parsons pom- promised to pardon the St. Louis couple who was pointing guns if they were ever charged. Um, he opposed Medicaid expansion on the grounds that it would cost too much. Um, and then just a, a fun little closing tidbit. He endorsed Mitt Romney in 2012. Um, I don't know if that's particularly surprising, um, but endorsed Trump in 2016. So not, not a never Trumper. Um, he was he hopped on that bandwagon kind of early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his opponent Nicole Galloway, um, she's a certified public account accountant, 
with a master's from University of Missouri. Uh, she would be the first female governor of Missouri as well. She served as the treasurer of Boone County from 2011 to 2015 before taking over as a state auditor in 2015. Um, and so her job primarily is to investigate um, complaints and potential issues with the government officials improperly spending money. Mm -hmm. um, so there are a lot of things that she's been involved in. I won't go through them all, but there's, you know, it's everything from 300000 in fraud here on improper spending to travel expenses. Basically anything where you're required by law to report things in a certain way and people are concerned that you're not. Mm -hmm. Her job is to go in and investigate that. Um, that office of the auditor is about 115 people and like 65% of them are CPAs. So it's very, very, very finance heavy. Mm -hmm. Like really digging into spreadsheets and stuff like that, balance statements. Um, Bunch of nerds. No, <laughs> <laughs> right. hey, I mean, good. hey, you got to have some, right? Um, so her website has like eight or nine big issues that she's kind of focusing on. And so, I mean, most of them are like the traditional Democratic issues. So healthcare, education, um, you know, expanding jobs for all Missourians. But I kind of wanted to highlight like three of them that I, I felt like were kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um Healthcare, government integrity, and then the agenda for black Missourians. So she's added, there's a whole section of her website that's specifically tailored for that. Um, healthcare, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the relatively traditional democratic stance, right? She wants to expand Medicaid um, as well as end the eight-week abortion ban. Mm. In terms of her government integrity, uh, one of the big things she highlighted was she wants disclosures of dark money contributions for businesses who do business with the state. Mm -hmm. um, so dark money in Missouri refers to um, the legal status of some PACs, political action committees, um, which are essentially a legal vehicle for contributing money for a political cause. So PACs aren't allowed to coordinate with a candidate directly. So mm -hmm. it's basically people donating money to an organization who spends money on behalf of a candidate. Mm. So PACs might like pay for commercials mm. for a candidate, but they're not allowed to meet with the candidate and say like, all right, what do you need to spend this money on, right? So Missouri allows quote unquote dark money, which means that you are not required to disclose how much money um, and to which PAC you gave money to. Mm. So it kind of there's still limits on how much you can contribute but you don't really know who's behind how, an issue how does the limits how do you place limits but the person they're not allowed to, they're, so you they can, don't have to report how much they so i so sorry i should clear that up you can donate as much money as you want to a pack okay there's limits on how much you can contribute directly, directly to a candidate uh, so like i can only write a twenty five hundred dollar check to a senator for mm. example but i could give as much money as i wanted to a pack that supports that senator mm. and so when it comes to missouri you can get into situations where you have these packs that have basically unlimited money that might be involved in these races where you know most of these candidates are getting you know, they're not all getting max checks. They're getting 50 bucks, 100 bucks. They might raise $50,000 in a race. 
and then you have a pack with like 10 times that amount of money to spend and you have no idea who's behind it. Um, so her, her kind of uh, stance is that if you are a business who is contributing to dark money packs and you do business with the state of Missouri, you'd be required to disclose who you gave, which packs you gave money to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, losing. like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like yeah. theoretically, if you're a business and you were like, I want to get road contracts, uh, you could create a dark money pack to support the he- senator who's running to be the head of the highway committee and then just donate unlimited amounts of money to make sure he gets elected. And then when the election, when it comes back to awarding contracts, it's like, hey, like, remember who wrote, like, that $500,000 check so that you could buy all that airtime? So it's not that explicit, but that's kind of, like, the idea behind a it. A wink and a nod. Yeah, essentially. Um, and then a couple highlights from, like, on her agenda for black Missourians, most of them were related to um, police reforms. Um, so a couple things that she had highlighted – um, she wanted to make requirements for body cameras to remain on at all times. Not allowed to turn a body cam off. Um, limit no-knock warrants for drug raids. So I know in Kansas City that's been especially a big thing of no-knock warrants. Um, and then they, they throw a flashbang through a window or whatever and hit a toddler. And then it turns out that the person that they're coming for isn't even there. So no-knocks have kind of come under a lot of scrutiny nationwide. Um she wants to establish independent oversight boards that have subpoena power. So usually if there's an oversight board um, that's responsible for kind of reviewing police conduct, um, they can only kind of make decisions with the information that they're given. And so there's the potential that you run into situations kind of like with the Jackson County race, where if the police aren't providing a probable cause statement or if the body cam footage isn't what it should be or whatever, these independent oversight boards are kind of forced to make decisions with less information. Um, so if you gave those oversight boards subpoena power, a subpoena is essentially a legally backed request for a document. So if you were subpoenaed by someone that's basically saying you were legally required to submit this document, it's essentially a warrant. Um, so if they had subpoena power, they could say explicitly, like, I want to subpoena body cam footage. I want to subpoena this report or whatever. Um, so it add a little bit more teeth of those. Um, and she also supports local control for the KCPD. Um, so Kansas city is one of the only and the largest city in the country that does not have local control over its police department. It's currently governed by, um, a board of commissioners. Um, one of which is the mayor. Um, and I believe the other two are directly appointed by the governor. They're not elected, but so there's three people, and the, the state controls two of them. Um, the reason that that exists is because um, back in the day when Kansas City was a lot more of a mob town, um, the local kind of organized crime had kind of overtaken the police department, and so the state took over, essentially saying, like, we can't trust you guys to have your own police department. Um, that was a long time ago. I think that was, like, the 40s or the 50s. So it's been a really long time, but you know, currently the mayor is basically one of the three votes um, responsible for kind of making decisions for KCPD, and the other two are chosen by the governor. So um, local control is kind of 
it's not a it's not a miracle cure. A lot of people are like, oh, if KCPD had local control, like we wouldn't have all these crimes. Um, but what it does do is it allows kind of like direct ownership, which also promotes accountability to some extent. Where it's like, if you have local control and it keeps getting bad, then we know exactly who to point the finger at. Um, whereas now it's kind of like, oh, it keeps getting worse, and like we don't really know who's in charge because most people don't know that there's a board of commissioners, and then. Even if you do, the mayor's only one of the three votes, so it's like, how much can you blame the mayor? How much can you blame so-and-so or whatever? But yeah. One thing, one issue I heard about local control is the fact that it becomes, like, really polit- political at that point because of, like, the changing of, like, since, like, technically what the mayor would have control, right? Yeah. And there's a new mayor, like, things would be switched up. And yeah, they can clean house yeah. on the sh- uh, the chief... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of cities do that. Um, I mean, there is obviously merit to like keeping a police chief who's doing a good job. Yeah. Like you, if, if someone's doing something that works, like you don't want to switch the whole system up every four years. And like, you'd frankly, I think you'd be a bad mayor if you had a chief that was doing like a really good job, but you just disagreed with them. So you got rid of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it does allow you, you know, if there is a situation where it's like, if murders have been going up for the past five years in KCPD and like you just disagree with the philosophy of the police chief Mm -hmm. as a mayor right now, you're kind of like, this is what you're stuck with. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, like it's not a miracle cure Mm -hmm. and it does have the potential to be abused and like all things with city government, you know, every four years you're going to get 12 new people who are responsible for making all the decisions. And then, you know, if the mayor controls the police department, then he has a lot of sway over how those things operate. Mm-hmm. But I think it's one thing that, like, a lot of um, more progressive politicians in Kansas City have, like, really advocated for mm-hmm. um, for a long time. And so that was just one of the issues that she highlighted that she is in support of. I don't think it's... Um, Fuck, she got the... She got a lot against her, bruh. Yep. So I saw... Yeah, I saw some of the polling... Um, I don't know if this was the most recent one, but the one I saw had Parsons at like 47% and her at 40, um, which I mean, leaves about 13% undecided. Mm-hmm. Um, I will highlight though that, so in 2016, Missouri voted for the Republican Greitens. Uh, he won with 51% of the vote and the Democrat Chris Coster had, I think its name was Chris, sorry. Um, Coster had 45% of the vote. So a six-point loss. Um, but in 2012, just before that, you had Jay Nixon, who was the incumbent governor, who was a Democrat. Mm-hmm. He had 54% of the vote um, to 42% for the Republican Spence. So Missouri is definitely trending more Republican in the past probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, 2012 wasn't really that long ago. That no. was two governor's terms, and there was a Democrat. So... I, th- I think that in terms of how the race goes, I think um, Parsons is going to have a big advantage just because, you know, probably 70% of the state is automatically, like, in favor of kind of what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's probably going to get knocked a lot on probably the COVID response. Yeah. I think that's, like, the biggest thing that, like, people who might be more on the fence about um, his politics or taxes or whatever, like the people that are like, Oh, like I pay less in taxes and I don't really care about politics. So it's cool with me. 
those are also the people who are like, yeah, but I had to close my job or I had to close my business because of COVID and whatever. So there's a lot more um, wide-reaching ramifications. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we know, Missouri designated as a red zone state, meaning that Missouri's on the come up in a bad way. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, that was a little bit of my background. I did a little bit of digging. So most of the stuff you can find on Ballotpedia. Um, it's a good reference. If you're, like, looking at um, what's going to be on the ballot and you're, like, not really sure, I would highly advise you to check that out. Um, like, because, like, we were talking about with Amendment 3, some of the stuff is worded in a certain way on the ballot, and you just check yes because it mm-hmm. sounds good, but you don't really know what you're voting for. So, um, But November 3rd. Oh, yeah. November 4th. Dang. Just kidding. When we get – all right. <laughs> it's November 4th. Um, yeah, vote by mail is like the hot thing right now. That's so what I, was say. I would get closer to it. I would en- I would encourage you if you're young and you are of good health and you're comfortable to put on a mask and just go stand in line. That's probably the easiest the way to make sure your mm-hmm. vote counts. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are voting by mail, I think the recommended response is to do that sooner rather than later, um, regardless of how you feel about the post office it does appear that things are slowing down a lot so the sooner you get that ballot in the, the better to let it work through the system so mm-hmm. but you know the most important thing is just know what you're voting on you know you don't have to be an expert but you know spend 20 minutes just reading a little bit about people and you know i i researched eight races and it took me about four hours and that was me doing some like pretty in-depth stuff. So mm. if you're just kind of trying to get like a quick view of the issue, quick Google search, half an hour, you'll be good to go. Like young people have, you know, young people want to be the ones that are talking about how bad the world is. But then when it comes time to vote, like statistically, we don't really show yeah. up. So, yeah. you know, if you want to if you want to keep popping off about <laughs> how bad the world is, but you don't want to vote like. Part of that's on you. Yeah. Big facts. It's not all on you, but <laughs> part of it is. <laughs> yeah. Man, well, thanks for coming on, Matt. Thanks for Dude, having me. It's a lot, man. A lot that a lot of people didn't know. Shut down the pod. Talking too long. <laughs> no, nah, it's all good stuff, though. It's all good stuff. Man. We appreciate it. I learned a lot. We're going live, man. So I appreciate it. Only for the Missouri viewers. <laughs> if you're in Kansas, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're the lesser Kansas City. Yeah. That's true. Man. <laughs> Sorry to say. But I only got so many hours in a day. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. 412 King Street. Dillard. Peace, love, and positivity. Let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we out. 412 King Street. Let's go.